It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We've got film to talk about, but before that, we start the show with Joe Burrow, that calf injury, and what we know on Monday. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. A little bit later in the show, we're going to be joined by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sansa. Get into the film against the Baltimore Ravens from Sunday's week to loss. But before we get into any of that, the story today is about Joe Burrow's calf, and that's where we will start. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Lockdown. Make every moment more and get five, a, get a $5 bet in for $200 in bonus bets guaranteed at FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. James, let's get into this Joe Burrow calf injury. Limps off the field. He said it was the second to last play the play before the touchdown, going back and watching. I think he just forgot that there's a play in between, that there's a play where he ends up throwing it away two plays before the touchdown, rolls out to his right, ends up taking a hit from Patrick Queen. On all 22, the, the camera stays on him long enough that you can see him take a couple of gimpy steps back toward mm-hmm. the huddle when he gets up. I think it clearly happens there. And it's very possible at this point that we're just in one of the worst case timelines, not necessarily the absolute worst case timeline, but going back to when Burrow injured this leg in July, the fact that it lingered as long as it did and was not just a grade one in retrospect, it was probably between a grade one and two or a grade two. And he looked a little bit limited by it against Cleveland looked okay against Baltimore in neither game. Was there a ton of second reaction extended play playmaking from Joe Burrow that we've gotten accustomed to, but was playing pretty well by the time this injury rolled around and was kind of okay until he wasn't. And that was always a risk. When we talked to Dr. Brandon Bowers back after this injury occurred with the calf is that you don't know when it's a hundred percent. A lot of times it feels good. It feels fine but it's just not all the way healed. And that's when the risk for re-injury is highest. And it could be that Joe Burrow is just one of the unlucky ones that has sustained that kind of re-injury as he was spotted limping around a little bit in the locker room on Monday. And Zach Taylor remained non-committal to his status for Monday night football. Yeah. Let's, let, let's start with this. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to play on Monday night. We're recording this a week out. Maybe it changes. Maybe I'm dead wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he throws 52 touchdowns on Monday night. I Seriously, 52. I, I hope he throws 52 touchdowns, 49 of them go to Jamar Chase, and 
three go to T Higgins, uh, two to T Higgins, one to Tyler Boyd, and everybody goes home happy. I just think he's super. I, I, I th- this is what I think. I think he's really, really sore today. The fact that Zach Taylor acknowledged that he's sore, Zach didn't say anything about this injury in anything before uh, when it first happened and kept it really tight to to the vest. And look, I know some are going to say, well, why'd you bring him back? I think Burrow was cleared. I don't think that this was him pushing despite being in a bunch of pain. There's a difference between medically being cleared and ready to go and mentally feeling it. Medically, mentally, uh, mentally, physically, mentally. Big difference. And I, and I think there was. I think mentally he wasn't sure how much he should trust it. Physically, I'm not sure that there was much there. I just think it was a, it maybe a little pain, but I don't even think so because I don't think they would have brought him back when they did. I really don't. And, and so the fact that the Bengals are 0-2 now and looking at, all right, well, what do we do with Joe Burrow? Do Does he play at less than 100% against the Rams because we need to win that game? Or do we go the other route, which may sound extreme to some, but maybe not others? You put him on injured reserve. He misses four games. You can bring him back after the week seven bye. He has five weeks. And and during that five weeks, you hope he could completely heal and be ready for the second half of the season. You have Jamar Chase saying, this is what I wanted him to do initially, is miss some time and make sure he was 100% and health is wealth. And I'm paraphrasing, but that was Jamar's message. It sounds so good in hindsight. But I, I really do. I think everybody thought he was ready to go. And just talking with people in the organization, it sucks. It, it sucks because he re-aggravates it at, or aggravates it at the end of this window. And you don't win either of the games he plays in. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now you're stuck with this, all right, well, we need to win, but we also need to keep our franchise healthy long-term. And so that's the balance. That's what they're going to be debating and maybe even arguing to a degree over the next 48 hours, 72 hours, maybe up until Saturday, Sunday, before Monday night's game against the Rams. Yeah, because if they want to put him on IR to free up a roster spot, say, say they feel like they need that roster spot to go get another QB or something like that, depending on how Will Greer is coming along, depending on how they feel about Jake Browning, because now push has come to shove and they might be trotting out Jake Browning for a regular season football game that counts that they badly need to win. Do they feel like they need a roster spot to go get a veteran? Would that be a move they would make? Possibly. On the other hand, and and we talked about this before we started recording, look at how they handled Jamar's injury last year. Look at how they handled A.J. Green's injury previously, where if there's a chance that Mm. those guys are going to be ready to go early and you don't need that roster spot, well, you just don't put him on IR. And maybe he's not back early. Maybe, you know, if it is something that's more serious and he needs time to recover and needs to keep weight off it and all this stuff, and he's not back until the bye anyway, okay. But you only put him on IR, I think, if if you know that he needs to be shut down for probably more than four weeks, right? And you know that with some certainty based mm-hmm. on imaging, which with the calf strain is really hard. And again, we talked about this with Dr. Bowers, with the calf strain, the MRI, with any muscle strain, the MRI doesn't show you everything. It shows you to a point. And then it's this scenario where the healing, like I said, maybe it's at 90%, but you feel good. 
And so you go out there and you play football and then something unfortunate happens and you aggravate it on the, the third to last play of the game on offense. Cause if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't get hurt again, we're talking about signs of life and the, the improvements that he made throughout the game and how the offensive line looked better as the game went on and overall looks pretty good. And they found adjustments and they found answers, but none of that really matters a ton. We're still going to talk about it because I think there are some interesting things on tape and there's some scheme stuff we can talk about, mm-hmm. but it's all kind of unimportant if they don't have Joe Burrow for what looks like a pretty doable stretch on the schedule, although the Rams look better. But if they're without Burrow until the bye, then you're just hoping to scrape out a couple of wins because he's so important to this team and that you're still in a position where Burrow can get you through a playoff push. But we also just have spent a lot of time talking about how important reps are for Burrow. So when you get sure. him back, how ready is he to go right away anyway? It, it puts a real cloud over the season, James. It, it's a real yeah. tough spot if, if Burrow needs to miss significant time. Yep, and I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle where they don't put him on injured reserve. He misses a week, maybe two weeks. I'll tell you right now, you think Tennessee is easy? Going to Tennessee with Jake Browning, that's tough. That's going to be a tough game. That is not easy. And, and, I, and I'm not saying you, but like – just because they've gone there and won the past couple of years, like it's still going to be a tough game, even if you had Burrow. That, that's that's not an easy one, and they've been one possession games. I, I naturally would like them if they were healthy, and and that's the part that stinks. That's why this zero and two feels different. I think over the past twenty four hours since we recorded our post game, it feels much different on, on where he's at. Like it, it's not like we're hearing rosy things. Zach Taylor said was was non committal. But it's not like he said, oh, no, Joe's doing pretty good. We'll see how he is in a few days. It's not that. Now, you have the extra day. Uh, he's known to be a fast healer. Not my words. Jimmy Burrows. He said it on like 85 different interviews. J- Joe's dad. So who knows how he does. But this is tough. This isn't an ankle where you can like tape it up, no. brace it up. Not like a joint. It, it, no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that may, it's really, really tough. So we'll see. But – We'll uh, continue to monitor it and have you covered right here on Locked on Bengals. But up next, let's get to the film with Mike Santagata from Joe Burrow and how he looked on Sunday to this offensive line and, well, the trenches as a whole. We'll dive into that and much, much more coming up next. Today's episode of Locked on Bengals is brought to you by Jace Case. Jace Medical believes that everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, and that's why they offer the Jace case. It provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. They make sure with the Jace case that you have the medication in hand. And Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 on these life-saving medications with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off using promo code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering. They are America's number one sports book, and right now, 
New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you're thinking, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time because of that $200 in bonus bets, win or lose when you place a $5 bet. So it's easy to use, easy to sign up, whether it's spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. FanDuel's got you covered. So go there now, fanduel.com slash locked on to kick off this season. Again, fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We're now joined by Mike Santagata for our weekly film review. We've had a chance to dive into the All-22 Mike, we're going to start as we did last week with this offense or maybe some schematic changes required if Joe Burrow can't play. But let's talk first about what the team did to attack Baltimore, what Baltimore did to give them a hard time and what changes you would like to see. But first, it seemed like things started to get back on track a little bit in the second half, at least interception aside, which you have a film breakdown of on Twitter. You did a good job explaining that one. What, what did you see? from this offense that, that led to the, to the tough starts. Is it schematic? Is there a systemic problem here? The scripted plays is the first 15, as they call it in this, I'd say, I think the first six, I think they went back to the scripted plays for the second drive. Just didn't work. I mean, two, three and outs, you get the holding call that kind of ruins the one drive. And other than that, I mean, they got the ball at midfield and usually you're quick, like, okay, this is a massive, you know, change. <laughs> quick change let's just go take a deep shot which the ravens did after the burrow pick instead they ran inside zone and then they threw a bubble screen to jamar chase who it's probably just variance but he still hasn't really made too many of the first guy miss like he usually does but he didn't make that guy miss didn't get the blocking and now you're in third and eight and then they can't convert it um i think schematically it got better I mean, they were moving through the Ravens starting with their third drive. I mean, you know, like uh, Taco Bell through the body, just real quick, real <laughs> fast. <laughs> um, but, you know, like when I was watching it, I think like they're hammering the middle of the field. It felt like everything changed for them when they finally stopped trying to run the ball and try to make them commit to the run and get into the single high looks. They just went. I don't care if it's too high. Let's just go at that Brandon Stevens guy. He's not a starter. You know, he shouldn't be hanging with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And then they drew a PI. They got a couple of catches. And then they had a play to – I can't remember their nickel corner's name right now either, but T. Higgins made him fall down with a route. It's like, why were you not trying to isolate this earlier? So that's when it really started working. And that stuff kind of reminds me of like what Peyton Manning used to do, not so much of just like staying back there, Omaha, doing all the different audibles. But he would see the guy on the defense. There's like, that guy can't hang with us. And he would just pick on them until they made a change. So that's what Burrow kind of did on that first drive right before the right before halftime. Then Baltimore kind of makes a change. Burrow starts hammering the middle of the field. They start working a lot of middle of the field concepts. And it felt like they're able to find those voids in the zone. T Higgins was a monster over the middle of the field in this game and in general, but you can't start that slow. And then also you throw the worst place to throw a pick is when you're going to have, you know, points, you're taking points off the board by, by expected points. That was the biggest change of the game was negative six on that interception in the end zone. And that was kind of, 
they are beyond playing chess against each other. They know each other so well it is formed into three-dimensional board games where <laughs> they are playing the Bengals are playing like we know the Ravens are going to play this coverage and the Ravens kind of like we know the Bengals know we're going to play this coverage so we're actually going to play this coverage and it looks similar and that's what happened there essentially it they just dug themselves into a hole and weren't able to come out of it I think that's the part of it is the the Ravens especially with Lamar Jackson and, and him being able to apply pressure to the defense it's like one of the worst teams to do that against because you get a limited number of possessions. You're right. Overall, I, I think most people will have an ugly memory of, of what this Bengals offense was on Sunday, and th- they did start to move the ball. Uh, and for the most part, we're moving the ball up and down the field uh, in that second half. Uh, let me ask you this, Sands. Joe Burrow specifically, because I think there are some that are wondering about his health, how he was feeling before he aggravated that calf. We talked about it at the start of the show. Joe Burrow specifically, how did he look physically to you? Because you've watched uh, the All-22 of Joe Burrow for multiple years now. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would describe it as 100%. But I do think that play where he jumps above a defender at his feet and kind of scrambles for the first down or at least mm-hmm. for positive yards, I don't remember which, I thought, oh, he must be feeling better. <laughs> At least like it's not a hundred, but are we at like 90? Are we at, you know, 85 somewhere in that range right now. And um, he was by the end of the game, I think he said it was his second to last pass that out route. He kind of sprayed outside and gave his receiver no shot on re aggravated it. He made a dime on that last play to T, which I was like, and he was on the run. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was on the run too. It was like so. That's just probably adrenaline kind of kicking in. I, I, if you played sports, I feel like you've been there. Like I'm injured, but just the adrenaline, everything else gets you through. It. And then you stop and you go, "Oh no, doesn't feel right." Um, but I was impressed by that. I, I think most of the game, I felt like he was around 85, 90 percent of what he normally is. And then I didn't see anything after the aggravation, basically that one throw that made me think like, oh, he's down to like 50% of what he normally is. Mm -hmm. I just saw like, oh, that was a really good throw and run, like scrambled to get to it. But the re-aggravation probably, yeah, it's probably going to be an effect after, not. Yeah, yeah. Jake identified it as the play right before he threw the out to Jamar because he had Jamar. I mean, he makes that throw all the time and it was – I mean, it was a grounder to shortstop. I mean, it was not, it was not on target at all. And uh, and so Jay, you, you could talk more about it, but yeah, I, I think he makes that throw normally, and he realized that oh, this is not this is not good. And then you're right, the adrenaline picked up, and he made the best throw of the game to T. That was a good throw to finish on. At least he finished on, finished on a strong note. Let's talk a little bit about Jamar Chase's usage. And and then we'll we'll shift gears, talk defense. Is there something you'd like to see different with the way Jamar Chase is getting targets? He on Monday in the locker room said he would like to see more go balls. Of all things, a lot of fans seem to want Jamar Chase targeted over the middle of the field. I charted all of his routes. He had a pretty good split of inbreakers, outbreakers, vertical route tree stuff. Jamar wants more vertical balls. Is there something there? Do you think that the Bengals could do more to get more targets for Jamar Chase, given the defenses I've seen? Yeah. I I mean, I think in this game, 
some of the stuff they ran for T, you could easily see them run it for Jamar. Maybe you get more gravity and eyes on Jamar than you do T because he is the best receiver on the team, and they are different players. But when I'm thinking of T's first touchdown, Jamar could have done that from the stack alignment, dunk on a small corner like that. Although I guess he didn't dunk on Rocky Sim. That ball got broken up. Um, the, the go balls thing was funny to me, though. In my mind, I was like, I can't tell, like, I don't have the video. Was this sarcasm or was this, like, I actually want more go balls? Because it seemed, it seemed real. Yeah. In the it game with Cleveland, yeah. he had a ton. And then this game, he didn't really get any. But that was because Cleveland was playing so much single high. I mm-hmm. think you really need to find a way to get him isolated on the outside. And he did say he needs more go balls. That's what he's best at. That's what he's unguardable at. If you could just make it so he's not in any type of bracket, whether that's a man bracket or that's playing cloud coverage and zone with a defender underneath and a defender over the top. If you can get him in a situation, it could be quarters. It could be some type of too high shell. But if you can get him so that he is working actually one-on-one with that corner and you can isolate that, that should be a game plan against this Rams team to me because the Rams don't have corners that should be able to hang with Jamar Chase. And Squeaky Wheel gets the grease. Uh, find a way to get him some opportunities down the field. And if they're going to play sell out over the top, back shoulder or even just have him run comebacks and curls, stops, whatever, just threaten that vertical. The few times they did get Jamar in those matchups, he was open a few times. Ball just didn't go his way as well, which I think is worth pointing out, especially late in the game. There, there were some opportunities for Jamar Chase to, to make some plays, and the ball just didn't go his way on those. They'll need to get him more involved, though, for sure. On the defensive side of the ball, though, they do not have an answer for Lamar Jackson. They have not had answers for Lamar Jackson. Not sure the approach this week was what the doctor ordered. Let's talk about how the Bengals will adjust to Lamar Jackson and this new Baltimore Ravens scheme coming up next today's show is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in north america they're the easiest and most exciting way to play at dfs all you do is battle the house you're battling the prize picks themselves in their stat projections you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. You can earn up to 25 times your money this football season. And from quick withdrawals to easy gameplay, enormous selection of players and stat types, it makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And it's pretty simple. You think Justin Jefferson is going to end up with less than his prize picks prize picks projection for receiving yards. You can go that route. You can say that, Lamar Jackson is going to have more than one passing touchdown like he did on Sunday. And you watch the winnings roll in. And by the way, they just added Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Check them out now. Pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL with code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's dive into this defense, guys. It was not great, to put it lightly, I guess, against Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team who stayed ahead of the chains for the most part throughout the game and thus were elite on third downs, much like the Bengals, actually, by the way, were very good on third downs on offense. Not that we're talking about the offense at this point, but that was a very bright spot. Early downs, not so good, but on both sides of the ball, early downs, not so good. There were I think 11 missed tackles charted by PFF in the first half. I think I counted six missed tackles in the backfield, including a couple of free runners that, that couldn't corral Lamar Jackson, whose shiftiness in short areas was too much throughout this game for the Bengals to cope with. Mike, from a, an approach perspective, taking even away how poorly or well certain guys played, and there weren't a whole lot of guys that appeared to play at a very high level for this Bengals defense, on Sunday, what are the adjustments now that Lou Rumo has seen this iteration of Bengals offense with Todd Munkin at the helm that you would be looking for next time around? It's interesting. They tried to go to a lot of zone for a lot of this game, and that makes sense. You're going to try to keep eyes on Lamar Jackson, and it's really a lot of cover three because you don't want to play too high against this run game which it didn't matter for them. They were gapped out, but they were just getting dominated on the ground and early downs through the air. Um, It felt like the Baltimore receivers and Lamar Jackson did an insanely good job of finding those voids in the zone because they're kind of playing true vision, spot drop zone coverage, eyes on the quarterback and kind of try to meld with his eyes and move and squeeze those holes rather than trying to match. It's not just a failure of the Bengals defense to take away the middle of the field. Why didn't they just take away the middle of the field, Mike? Well, <laughs> they were playing middle of the field close coverage. <laughs> yeah. So they, they tried, but sometimes the depth was an issue. I saw a couple plays that they ran deeper high lows in the middle of the field and the linebackers would bite on the low and get beat by the high, which I guess a lot of quarterbacks, they just take that low every time. But against the really good quarterbacks, they throw the high route. Joe Burrow throws that high route. Lamar Jackson throws that high route. Like these are the guys that are willing to not just take singles. They want they want to shoot for doubles and triples. Um, it's tough because then when they went to man coverage, the corners were getting beat over the top in single high man because they didn't they don't have help. Uh, and then when you look at the last play of the game, they tried like, let's put a spy on Lamar. Not the last play of the game, but one of the last plays that mattered. They put the spy on Lamar with Logan Wilson, and then they rushed three. The coverage on this play is fantastic, but you left one guy to spy Lamar and a three-man rush that isn't going to get home. Lamar makes one fake towards the left. Wilson crashes down because it's third and short. He wants to go make that play. Then Lamar just goes to the right, and there's a ton of space for him. So... It's an interesting resource management game you have to try to play here where you have to have so much focused on Lamar Jackson's running ability. But when you're too focused on that and trying to play, you know, like spot drop vision zone coverage, that's when the receivers are really smart. Mark Andrews is really smart and they get into those spots there so that the Bengals coverage there isn't really, it's just 
nothing for them. They're just able to sit down the zone. Lamar throws it, good anticipatory pass, and they just keep moving the chains. You have to find something in there. I think there could be an idea here of still playing that zone, that spot drop zone or vision zone or even match zone, but doing what teams have kind of done to the Bengals here and mix things up and change change the picture post-snap a lot, not just once in a while. One of the first plays of the game, they got a free runner. Lamar dropped his eyes, and he didn't find his quick answer because they ran – it was, I think, a creeper where Trey Hendrickson drops, and I believe it was Nick Scott comes, and this is the play that Scott misses and Hubbard misses, and then Scott misses again. Yep. But – it worked on the back end, and they were able to rally and tackle him and stop him. Even despite he made two guys look silly, he, they were able to rally and tackle him for a gain of two, three yards. So I could see more of that the next time they play, but it's tough. When when you have an MVP-level quarterback playing like an MVP-level quarterback, those aren't, mm-hmm. those aren't easy days in the office for a defense. No, and he played great. I agree with that. Let's uh... – Get to the thing that stood out to you, I know. Um, zero sacks. It feels like Lamar Jackson still standing in the pocket at Paycor Stadium, even though the Ravens uh, left quite some time ago. Um, Trey Hendrickson, we didn't really see a lot of him. Obviously, the sack fumble that was negated because of the Zach Carter penalty. But uh, what did you see from him specifically? Yeah, I was disappointed. I think we should expect more because the he went off – against the backup left tackle. I thought he would dominate that matchup, and instead it kind of went the other way for a lot of it. Maybe we feel a different way if that sack strip sack counts, and then you're like, well, you know, he didn't win every rep, but look, he made a huge impact on the game, but that strip sack changed the game, but that's not what happened. He, it got negated, and he didn't really make a lot of plays to make up for it. Um, they left him one-on-one with Makari, which is what I was not expecting. I remember watching live. I didn't really feel much of a presence for Hendrickson. And I just thought in my mind, okay, well, they probably, you know, this is a backup left tackle. They're going to chip him. They're going to get two hands on, well, four hands on him all the time and just treat him like the threat he is. Instead, they let him go one-on-one a lot. And he didn't take advantage of his opportunities. I expect my near all-pro level edge rusher when he faces a backup left tackle to win so many matchups that the offensive coordinator is throwing his hands up and going like, okay, we just have to attach a tight end to his hip the entire game. Kind of like it felt like with Miles Garrett week one, where it's like, what do we do? You know, like that's what I should expect from an all pro level guy against the backup, but that's not what happened. Guys have off games. And this was just an unfortunate one to have an off game against a guy that he was much better than on paper. Part of the problem I think for this team is that Lamar Jackson individually by existing negates some of your pass rush. Yes. The Bengals played him to contain him. They didn't want to give him too many crazy rushing lanes. Hendrickson never found a rhythm. He did have a couple of pressures. I thought there's obviously the strip sack, which is a really good play. And then there's some plays like some of the plays where he did actually win. I know he ends up being charted for zero pressures or maybe one pressure, depending on how you're charting it. Some of the plays where he did have wins, and I know you posted a bunch, the ball's just out. So so it wasn't good by any means. There were some slivers of hope, but the overall bigger concern is outside of Hendrickson, there is nothing. They do not yeah. have a pass rush, especially against this Ravens team and mobile quarterbacks. And 
it didn't look like it was going to be that way in, in training camp again, like again, for how many times has this happened with the Bengals where we, we think that there is going to be an improved pass rush, improved defensive line play in camp. Then you get to the regular season and it turns out to be a bit of a mirage in the games account. That's going to be it for this episode of Locked On Bengals. Mike, appreciate the time, appreciate the thoughts, especially on the defensive side of the ball as far as what they can do a little bit differently. I think that there were some really interesting ideas there. There were some good things that we should talk about probably a little bit more from the Cincinnati Bengals against the Baltimore Ravens, some steps in the right direction, and probably not giving Joe Mixon enough credit. Didn't talk about him in this episode. He was great. So we'll make sure we hit on some of those positives as well as we continue to watch for Joe Burrow updates for the rest of this week. So until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 